So what we have now is we have, and again, Donald has already answered this question for anybody who listened to the previous hour, but we're going to talk about the whole, is Twin Peaks The Return a film or a television? <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks, thanks a lot, Donald. Thanks a lot. Fine. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thanks a lot. Cheers, pal. Yeah. Me and that guy from so, Twitter, we're back on this. Yeah. It's coming up so, now. So, uh, yeah, so what do we want to talk how about? How about them pastries, guys? How about uh, the pastries? Uh, yeah, I'm actually, can we uh, have a few of these? Or yeah, still absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're going to take, oh, that's a, nice. we're gonna take a moment to, nice. to uh, serve everyone <laughs> pastries. Do you want to? Uh, um, is this pecan pie? Is it? No, no. this is uh, ch- uh, cherry, cherry pie. Oh, cherry pie! So we have we have, we have four <laughs> cherry pies here, and we have. Um, are you are you having any pie, Don? No, thank you. I wouldn't eat pie. Um, I'm going to my dinner now. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds nice. Yeah, I no such luck for point. us. We're yeah. <laughs> Andrew is our, our official fire safety warden here. Um, <laughs> you just have one? That's good. Yeah, I know. Um, should should be I honest, close that door, should I? Uh, it's a fire hazard. Oh, it's a fire hazard. <laughs> right, okay, good. sorry. <laughs> should be good. Yay. But All right, so thank you very much for joining us, guys. Um, and thank you very much for taking the time. Um, and uh, So yeah, just to jump in, I suspect the answer to this may be very simple. So it's going to be a broad-ranging discussion about television and film in general. But let's just, let's just throw it out there. Let's just ask the question question so jen yes for you me is <laughs> twin peaks the return an 18 hour film or an 18 episode television series i mean uh, yeah it's it, it's somewhere in between those things but i would rather it be a tv series because um with twin peaks like growing up I like the way that it was on mainstream TV. You, it wasn't like you could. I remember watching Twin Peaks when I was way, way, way too young to watch it with my dad, and my dad would have it on uh, when it was on BBC Two, and I'd come in and out of the room going what, but then <laughs> always was sitting down like transfixed by it. Like, and that's the thing about it is, you know, you're not. It's not just art house cinema. It's not something that is so far removed from like a working class family like in Ring's End that could be watching Twin Peaks like yeah. uh, like mainstream like that was the astonishing thing about Twin Peaks and the thing about it is it wasn't like the fact that it's like so surreal it's the fact that it actually harkens back to soap operas it's like everything follows something as crazy as you know Days of Our Lives or Passions any of those American soaps Peyton that's Place, really yeah. what it's like yeah exactly at the heart of Peyton Place was the story of you know the character being abused by the father so which is kind of like very reflective in the original yeah. Twin Peaks and yeah. I think that's why I like to kind of stick up for it as being a, the return as being a TV show rather than a film because I think a TV show uh, what is you know what is film what is TV now uh. what is Netflix <laughs> yeah, um, exactly I mean, that's yeah. the main question really it's at, uh, James Ponsoak at the New York Times and apologies again Darren mangling uh, pronunciation of names here but he argued that like the, the difference isn't between film and television anymore. It's like even within television, you have things like streaming. Yeah. So if you have mm. Daredevil or even if you have Ozark or you have American Vandal or even like the fourth season of Arrested Development, which are these projects which do not fit the conventional TV mold. Like, sure, they're cut up into chunks, into episodes, but you're consuming them at your own leisure, in your own way, in many cases, in any order that you choose to, without having to sit down at a regimented time and consume them like that. Is that even really television anymore? I know it's probably not film, but like, where does the the gap go? And I mean, you have the thing with Netflix. And again, maybe this isn't a good example. Maybe it's not an artistic thing. But it's like where if you're watching these shows, they all blend together because of how you binge them. It's like, can you tell me what happened in episode four of Luke Cage? Or can you tell me what happened in episode five of Ozark specifically? Mm. Or Orange is the New Black? I I, I, um... I certainly (laughs) can't tell the the episodes of Twin Peaks to return apart from each other. 
And, and I think it's to do Apart with the episode. manner in which I watched it. <laughs> yes, Andrew did binge it hardcore. Myself, yeah. myself yeah. and Andrew consumed it in two I'm, different ways. I'm sure it, it, may have, it may have affected it if I were watching it um, kind of week after week and getting a sense to <laughs> digest it properly. But it, but instead, my life has been a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> no, but to be fair, like it's interesting you say that because like when I watched it first, I I could I could do maybe two three episodes at a time. I mm. couldn't like sit down and go through it like five six seven episodes. No way, like because like by the end of the third. Or sorry, by the end of the second episode, I was like, my head is it's melted. <laughs> it's yeah. melted. I was like, I have no idea. I don't know what's up and what's down. I know nothing. It's gone crazy. Um, yeah, like I, my own personal take on it is, is that it's not a TV show. It's not an 18 hour film. And you were saying about, you know, how do we digest, you know, streaming TV shows? You know, even if this was on stream and like on Netflix yeah. or something like that. I'd still think it's something completely different. Like, yeah. um, and it's interesting what you were saying about the original, se- the first series rather, that it was really kind of taking a leaf out of, well, not taking a leaf out of, but like kind of was inspired on by soap opera. being a soap opera. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, it's unapologetically like, so. No, yeah, yeah unapologetically yeah. so. But I felt like the return. It's not like that. It's yeah, really that went, not like that. That went right out the window. It, there's a space. There's too much. There's a lot of gaps in it. As yeah. There's a lot of just long, elongated pauses, which to me, like you're saying, it's not really like film and it's not really like TV. It's more like, and this Something sounds else. really wanky. Yeah. It's more like an art installation. Yeah. It's more like <laughs> That's exactly you know, what I was gonna say. You're yeah. watching like the Cray Master Cycle, Matthew Barney's Cray Master Cycle, and there's all these silences, and that's really reminiscent of I think the return for yeah. me. It's and the camera work in it is very what you would see like in like MoMA or something. Yeah. It's well, like Cray, um Cremaster is a muscle that controls <laughs> the movement of the testicles. Like yeah. The, the Matthew Barney Matthew Barney. Cray, yeah. Uh, sorry, Matthew Barney. Yeah. Um that's the, I, I remember my uh, mother coming back with like a... a um, Where's this thing going? <laughs> <laughs> from, from we've weird now. we've <laughs> only been on the air for seven <laughs> hours and we're, <laughs> and we're already here. Being on this kind of like cultural journey of America, like through, through her, 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 her job at the time. And one of the things was that she had visited the Guggenheim where they had this uh, uh, Matthew Barney exhibition and was explaining it all to me. And uh, it, 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 yeah, it's 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 this incredible kind of um, uh, performance and all of these. Uh, uh, um, uh, Andrew, you may need like, to get close to the mic. Oh, I do beg your pardon. Or I could just stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah I no, mean, that's yeah, that's just that's it. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah, pretty much everyone's stolen me point. Sorry, <laughs> that was it. Yeah, that, no, but basically that's it. Like I don't consider it to be a TV show. I don't consider it to be a film. I consider it to be its own unique thing. And like even looking at like. You know David Lynch's career going back to something like you know Blue Velvet. Which, right, I might ask you. A question oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, even going back to like Blue Velvet, which I personally would consider to be his best film, his most complete film, I would say. Um, with the return, this was him, literally going, but and I'm pardon my language now, but going balls to the wall. Oh, it's not this the, was, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, no, but that was it. Like this was him going balls to the wall. This was like I've got nothing left. I don't give any. I don't have any more F's left to give. I'm just gonna throw it all out there, and that's. Great. That's yeah. when you see it in that context. That then you're kind of like, right, okay, I get this now. This is like his final, his final piece of work. Well, that's that's very likely because yeah, there's there's a chance that this may be the last. I think it will. I think mm. it will. I think I think he went into this with the intent 
that I am I have nothing left to say about this. Yeah. About anything. anything. Brian, yeah. your language is as there's been a complaint lodged apparently. Really? What is your mom? What is your language? Has there really been a complaint lodged about my language already? I don't think it's entirely serious. Please, there are children listening. Are there really? No, there are not children listening. <laughs> right, okay, but God. It, it's funny you should mention that because, again, like one of the things that when you talk about uh, the return, one of the things that comes up repeatedly is the sense that even the people responsible didn't necessarily know what oh, yeah, it was. Going. I mean, like, my, uh, was it Mark Frost has said they didn't know that it was going to be 18 episodes. It just worked out that way. He said that he doesn't think of it as film or television. He thinks of it as like a novel, but with moving pictures. The scripts that were written, and I mean, we've had actors on, Amy Shields was on talking about it earlier, and uh, Yuan, uh, Yuan uh, Reese Davies was on talking about it as Don't, well. It's okay. <laughs> I, 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 if 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 Owain, or, <laughs> I'm doing it now. <laughs> Owain uh, is still listening. Um, uh, Darren is sorry. I am sorry. But uh, they were talking about how like the script for the return, and it's interesting because like the Emmys. So the mm. Emmys publish all the nominees' script, all the sort of submitted scripts. The scripts for Twin Peaks: The Return they're available via the Emmys website, and they're literally just scene notes. They're just notes and occasional bits of dialogue. And like episode eight, which we'll be talking about later, was just 14 pages of script in total. Um, and there is that sense that it's it's not necessarily conventional television, no. whatever it is. Um, at the same time, it kind of is, though, because it's structured episodically. Like, I mean, right down the, to like the roadhouse, every episode ends. At ends, the end. ends yeah, pretty much generally. And when it doesn't, that's there because it's upset. It's there to upset you. It's there but to like. Just yeah. It kind of reminded me of like the, the roadhouse parts with the bands always reminded me of like a, the id of the Beverly Hills 90210 Peach Pit. So it was like the underside of the peach pit. And I think that's literally what he wanted to do because there were so many people that just wanted to be involved in it. Everybody said, yes, you're not going to say no to David Lynch doing another Twin Peaks. Like, you're just not. So I think all the bands that sound like they should be in Twin Peaks ended up getting yeah, into Twin Peaks. Like, I mean, exactly. Or like even Sky Ferreira doing a cameo. Um, that was like something that, you know, you're never going to turn down. So I think he's created a vernacular. Like yeah. David Lynch has created his own vernacular and that's why they could do this with the return because in a way he invented prestige television. So if the master of prestige television, you're going to let him just, you know, he comes write back and says, I'm gonna check, do what yeah, you like. Yeah. yeah. If he comes back and says, right, I'm doing this now. Everyone's just going to have to just say, right, he's doing it. Well, and famously Showtime said no when he said, fine, sod it, I'm walking off. And yeah. they're like, okay, come back, come yeah. back, come yeah. back. But also you've money. got to think about the fact that like movies, like obviously film is changed so much and if you think it's Inland Empire as his last film yeah. that it didn't go so well for him the reviews were mixed and the audience wasn't too enthused about it so where do you go from there if, you're, if your love is film and you want to put this on film he, he had to move back to TV he had to move back to TV I mean that's, that's the thing with Lynch Lynch has talked a lot about how and again, it's great. And Lynch interviews are, are always Oh, they're great always so good. They're always amazing. Oh, they're so good. They really are. They're just a delight to read from beginning to end. Like, there's a really great one with the New York Times with, I think, Noel Murray, where he spends most of it talking about this drawing he's made of a table he's going to make. And you got a little space for your remotes here. And you got, like, a little bit of... Uh, got to have a little holder there now. It's got to be big enough for a wine bottle. It's going to be great, let me tell you. Uh, but, yeah, it, they're always great. But there's he's talked about how... When he was doing television in the 90s, it was like moving from a mansion to like a shanty town. Yeah. And in particular, one of the things that really got him, and it's come up repeatedly on the podcast, but this idea that sound design, because he was talking about how, and he really hates advertisements, really 
really hates advertising. Yeah, he made them himself. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, he did that one for a Nissan Micro, like, you know. What and I mean? he like, and he did Gucci as well. Yeah. He, that sort of stuff. He's and he's obviously done the the coffee commercials as well. But his argument is that yeah, when you're making a piece of TV drama, like it's like imagine you're doing an opera, and then every once in a, every 15 minutes somebody comes in and sings a jingle. It's really distracting. But also just the sound design. He used to complain that people couldn't turn up their televisions loud enough to get what he wanted to do. And he actually only moved back to television because he felt that finally the medium was at a place. That's it. And and it was in a place where, first of all, people's home cinema cinema systems, and the, the word is cinema there, were good enough to like do justice to the images and sounds he wanted to put on there and the sound systems in particular. But also because, and he's argued this a lot, the idea that the mainstream mid-budget movie has died to a certain extent. Completely. Mm. Um, and I mean, we talk about, this is one of the things we've talked about Netflix a lot, where Netflix is producing stuff like To All the Boys I've Loved Before, Set It Up and stuff like that. All these films that, even Triple Frontier this yeah. weekend, which are the kind of films that would have been mid-budget films that would have been released in cinemas. But, but then the important thing is they're also doing your Romas, your Mudbounds, yeah. and then that's when you're getting into the confusing situation is, is this a film or is this a TV show? Because you're watching it lying in bed or you're watching it on your couch, you're not trying traveling to the cinema to see it so what is it yeah. so can you class like this Twin Peaks of Return then as a film yeah if you Steven Spielberg watch is very upset about this right now um, but yeah, yeah. boo hoo <laughs> yeah pity sorry about you. Like... pity about you how m- pity about you how much significance are we giving to at the end where it says this film oh very good <laughs> nice. that, was, that was well done Andrew spotted this during the rewatch and I he pointed out to me I didn't see it that was very good uh, yeah. well done Andrew this film was was, was uh, produced with help from the um, Washington kind of, uh, film yeah and the California kind of um, uh, film board and like this film this is... film yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean well he's, he's talked like Lynch's position is that it's a film in 18 parts yeah. um, that's mm. his official sort of like thesis statement that's his argument and he believes that and it's interesting, though, that, like, despite that, it is structured in a way that you recognize as a television show. The fact that, like, after you guys are coming in, we're going to have a couple of people coming in talking about episode eight specifically mm. uh, indicates that maybe it is still a television show. But that deserves to kind of be on the big screen. Just yeah. that yeah. itself, episode eight. If they yeah. just released that, like the way they did with Red Riding before they released that as one giant oh, film the trilogy, for yeah. the Americans. Like, yeah. they, they brought that to America as a film instead of a TV show. So something like that, I think deserves to be a standalone it is a standalone episode did they do Red yeah. Riding as a single film for how does that work because the three of them I don't uh, know like I imagine hardcore yeah like I think yeah I mean I haven't seen that the American version of it but like yeah I mean considering how kind of and we're gone off track now but like considering how kind of delineated Red Riding is yeah. and the episode 8 as well it's just literally pause everything we're mm. gonna go off on this yeah. magic carpet ride Mr. C's asleep for a little while let's let's, <laughs> yeah, let's do just, some other stuff just, yeah let's 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 go crazy like I mean <clears throat> you know Inland Empire had moments of it with the rabbits yeah, yeah. the rabbits <laughs> yeah exactly so which like, was a webcom <laughs> completely so like in, in that sense of it you know I you know yes I know that is an episode and yes it was one entire hour of weirdness well I mean among all the other all the weirdness, <laughs> but like again, in the you look at that in the context of a film, you'd be like, "Oh, that's just David Lynch doing his own thing, where he'll pause, do something weird, and then he'll get back into the story." Like, so I didn't really kind of, uh, I, if if that was your argument to say, "Oh, it's a TV series," that's a pretty yeah. lame argument. Not to be mean about it, but that's a pretty that's a pretty weak argument, I would mm. think. And I think no, but as I said, like I think there is genuine 
value to having it. It really is. It's amazing. Sorry, we're just going to have sound bites of all our guests <laughs> announcing <laughs> how wonderful the pie is. It really That's is good. Good. It's so good. Uh, listeners are actually really thrilled to hear how nice the pie is. It's yeah. really good. It's really good. Some into the mic. What actually is the name? Camerino Bakery. Where are they now? It's on Capo Street. Grant, I'm gonna. See, and we didn't even have to interrupt the show to do a jingle. Um, <laughs> the offer to do a jingle. It just sort of came in naturally. This, this, oh, sorry. Do you, no, no. Uh, you, can, you can, I guess you can go on our Twitter. But, but the, the, uh, this is the log lady. Um, that Margaret. is the cla- yeah, Margaret. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're eating. You, Margaret. I, I, I gave you some log lady. You can have oh. some log lady if you want. There's kind of almond log lady in, for the lady. In, in log lady. <laughs> yeah. um, and there, this one is the classic Agent Cooper. It's not the new improved um, like it's Anton Chigurh <laughs> model It's not um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Lee No um, Is and, there a Major Briggs actually Is there a Major Briggs Because he was my favourite character Is there a Major Briggs here I'm afraid there's not oh, Well we did find the body of the pie Unfortunately <laughs> um, <laughs> There was no crust on it Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. like I mean and, and this is the thing where like Despite the fact that it is structured, like it, it is released in in those clunks, and I mean, it's yeah. worth pointing out that, as you point out, the first two episodes were broadcast as a feature length movie. Mm. The next two were released on streaming, as if to complicate matters even further. <laughs> They're available on Hulu, I believe, immediately afterwards, and the final f- parts, two parts, were aired back to back, I believe. Uh, but even things like the script was given in one big; it was one big block. Yeah, and like actors weren't given individual episode scripts; they were given scripts with their scenes in them. They were given for example, the sides, or is that what yeah, sometimes yeah. not given, scripts. and so, sometimes as not just given instructions, as we found out earlier. We find out that we were talking to Amy Shields, and she was saying how um, she was asked, and then Amy will give her a line. <laughs> What line? <laughs> but yeah, but there there is a sense that, uh, and even like the way it was shot. Like for example, I think uh, Christabel has talked about how her first scene that she shot was the scene with Matthew uh, Lillard, Lillard, uh, in like the middle of the block. But even things like, for example, um, the fact that like all the Roadhouse bands were shot over two days, which is not how TV production works, where you go no. week to week or whatever. So it was very much produced like a film, but cut together like a TV show, which is kind of fascinating. And it's great that TV exists in a place where you can sort of do it can this. be that malleable like that you yeah. can mess with it that much and do it yeah I think that's it and yeah I mean like as much as we were saying that like he the reason he came back to TV was because you know sound systems or whatever has caught up to it creatively as well TV has caught up to film in the sense yeah. of like now that we can have these like you look at like the third season of Hannibal mm. yeah. which is just nuts yeah. like there's no, like 10 years ago they wouldn't even try it. 5 years ago they wouldn't have even tried it <laughs> well, I mean 2 seasons ago they 2 seasons ago they wouldn't <laughs> even try it but you know what I mean like yeah. so like the idea that like TV ha- now has the space to become completely experimental and like what you were saying yeah he liberated he like yeah. TV like and he gave you know people HBO basically kind of like if you Showing look at the, the like blueprint. yeah car planch and then you have something like six feet under alan ball six feet under you wouldn't have had that without twin peaks you definitely wouldn't have x files as we know but like there is just a, a sense that now coming back to tv it's almost a wistfulness for him because he's kind of th- i think with the return he was kind of wishing this should have been a film this should have you been think? i think so because i think well i think he was just disappointed from what i could gather like for, that with the reception to inland empire and he just thinks that film can't be done in that way anymore and nobody's going to sit still and have the patience like if you look at something like the longest i was ever in the cinema was the two nymphomaniac back to back 
Yeah. Lars von Trier. It was, yeah. and it was on Valentine's Day as well. Oh, romantic. <laughs> the most romantic time. I love how this podcast has turned into terrible <laughs> dating stories. Oh, it's like, oh listen, I got, I got a doozy. <laughs> we'll keep going. But as a, like, you can't expect people to sit there for that elongated oh, no, space of time, like uh, away from their comforts away from home so I think that's why now with everything like Netflix and streaming etc like you can kind of say to, you know because people like binging they enjoy yeah. binging they enjoy not moving for a weekend so why not just you know cram them full of it yeah. and see what happens I think it's a great experiment for TV like I love the idea of the head exploding as a motif in Twin Peaks The Return <laughs> is a metaphor yeah. for what happens when you try to binge the show. Yeah. This is it. Because like, again, this is it. I went into it. I, I, I wasn't following it when it was on, when it was being broadcast and stuff. But I remember afterwards, like, right, okay, I've got a weekend. Literally, as you mm. said, I've got a weekend. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to gun through this. Yeah. I got three episodes in. I was like, forget <laughs> it. That's not happening. Yeah. I need to go out. I need to <laughs> look at <laughs> yeah. yeah, a normal child yeah. running around. This is it. Oh, like, God. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> All of it. Like, yeah, no, but genuinely it was really like it was literally I couldn't watch I couldn't consume any other art art or media (laughs) after it like it was really that and going into it the second time I was really like <laughs> I like this okay. training. It's yeah, this was ready it. for this. Yeah, it's like put myself yeah. up. It's like right, okay, it's gonna get weird. Just, just, just go with it. Just go with it. Just Watch Mulholland Drive tonight. I'm gonna work up to yeah. Inland Empire, and then I'm just gonna take a run at it. Then just gonna just yeah, exactly. Just gonna just focus. Keep it, you know, keep it yeah. between the lines. Get into it. Um, but yeah, like I think the second time, I think I got two episodes. Like it was getting like two episodes it was further. Hopefully, two or? episodes further. Okay. Yeah, this was two episodes <laughs> further, and then two episodes back. I need to go back. I need to go back. I need to figure that whole bit out. Doesn't make sense. I need to go back. But yeah, Sorry, every- I'm just having this image of Richard Horn sort of taking the run after the return. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, again, like by the Johnny time Horn, Johnny Horn, yeah, apologies, Johnny Horn, yeah, very very different run, <laughs> very Richard different Horns, Horn. Yeah. yeah. But like, yeah, this was like I, I don't know how you watched it. I came to it in drips and drabs. Yeah, I had to. Like, I um, I watched it when it was on first initially. Oh, like, yeah, that's when, how I ended up getting this. Oh, sure, yeah, of course. Oh, wow. <laughs> I may actually we may as actually a take present. a picture for it. Like again, this is an audio medium. Um, so hold on. Got my little. This is my Gorgina red room pillow that I got from my sister. Perfect. As a present when Twin Peaks came back. Uh, for the return wow. and so yeah I did watch it that summer and it, I, like I it was a lot there yeah. <laughs> all yeah. it was a lot yeah. to take in and also but just in the way of you forget because if you haven't and the return is really different to Twin Peaks first of all completely but if you forget that style as in the way things are, you know, done as mm. like in scenes, the acting, there's a real stilted, stylized Lynch way of acting, and especially in Twin Peaks, um, it's all it's like soap acting. Yeah. It really is. Oh, and there it, there is definitely like I mean, it's the the sequence with Bill Hastings yeah. and his wife, and it's like I know about you and Bill and maybe somebody else too, and she's like, yes, well, and it's very much it is very sort of like eleven. It is, but like you know when uh, Richard runs over the the child, yeah. that whole like sequence is just absolute soap opera yeah. you'd expect like it just to stop there and the credits roll like, yeah completely um, and that's what you forget about it but you get so sucked into it like you say when so when you're finished watching it if you turn back on like normal TV you're just like what what is yeah. this is this a documentary <laughs> I don't understand yeah none of it own, makes sense yeah. it's own contained universe and that's why you, you can't really consume I don't think too much of it no uh, without 
just losing the trail. List, listeners will, will now be reminded that Andrew binged it all over the space. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Sir, yeah. How so you how, how did you, okay, how did you kind of come, like, like what happened after? Like, are you, are you alive? Are you okay? I, I, uh, <laughs> what year is this? <laughs> he literally just finished as we were rolling up. I, I, I've become like Dougie and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but oh! I, I'm like a version of Dougie Hello! that just goes and makes coffee and pies and opens doors. Um, it's like second season Leo at this point. <laughs> Are you really like? Are you say, like, has it like traumatized? Has it really, not, not traumatized, but like, I mean, has it like? No, I I think I watched it probably in in in. I would agree with you. I think I've watched it in the worst possible way, <laughs> and and and, they, and uh, because I had to. My mind um, is jelly. Yeah, and um, it was. It's like I I'm like uh, the black lodge feasting on his Garmanzola. And, and I figured it had been so long since I had seen Twin Peaks that I needed to go back and watch all of it. And at some point, Darren had said, "Kind of, you don't have to watch please all stop. of yeah, these." Um, yeah, so I skipped. Um, but yeah, it was. It just get, it got to a point where I'm eating, watching Twin Peaks. I'm on the bus, watching oh Twin Peaks. God. Having a shower, <laughs> watching Twin Peaks. <laughs> we're going to talk about this a little bit later. Sorry we're going about to your laptop, more... by the way. Uh, uh... Um, we're going to go into a bit more depth about Andrew's experience, just sort yeah. of running through it later. I'm going to miss that. It's quite the experience. But in terms of yeah, it just in terms of like cinema, is it? Is it worth arguing that like it's more than like I think a lot of commenters have been saying it's not film definitely, no. uh, but maybe it's not quite regular TV either. Definitely. Although you know, and then there's there's an element of is that snobbish to say is that because we're being sort of snobbish no. towards television or but the argument that maybe it's like a treatise on Lynch as a whole like there's a lot of influences from his paintings in there for example. But there's a lot of influence from like a, especially in episode eight uh, Edward Kynholds Kynholds yeah. like I know that David Lynch loves his kind of stuff and it's all artwork made of those tiny kind of buildings and you know with pla- like with models in them so that's really what that like the gas station looks like and stuff like that so I think there's a lot of homage and even I was thinking myself in that episode it's a lot like Raygun Virus which was like this film from the 60s where it was like obviously to do the atomic bomb as well and it was about like radiation and it looked a lot like that as well so I think you know if he's allowed to do whatever he wants he can you know do oh, all his influences it. at it like so it's got touches of that it's got still got some kind of link to like soap operas like passions and things like that but then you know it's got all that mixed together in a blender like so yeah. I mean it's not you know it's but that's why I liked original Twin Peaks as well because it wasn't like normal TV yeah. ever well this, this is funny actually because again I, I witnessed Andrew's watching of the the, the old Twin Peaks second hand uh, which was kind of like, and again, it was it was great. Andrew tried to kick me under oh, the sorry, table. Sorry, I, think. No, um, I was trying to cross my legs. See, you um, are like Dougie now. Someone <laughs> crossed their legs. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but um, stop kicking people. Yeah. Um, but um, kicking I was, people. I was I was watching like these old episodes with Andrew, and it's great. And you forget how good some of the stuff is. Mm-hmm. It's also you forget how much of. And again, we talked a lot about how like. Firewalk with me is a big influence on the yeah. in terms of style and tone. Mm. But there's a lot of stuff in the original Twin Peaks that feels like it's like almost trying to get towards what the return is doing. Where you have stuff I'm thinking like the second season premiere, which is like it's an hour and a half long or two hours in TV time. 
Um, and you have in that, you have like a 10 minute sequence of will the old waiter with the glass of milk call the hospital so that like, you know, so so that basically Dougie, not Dougie, Cooper can get help. Um, and like, you I, have, and that reminds me yeah, a lot of the sequences in yeah. The Return, which do a similar sort of like build up and focus yeah. on time. There's also even the sequences with like, um, just you. I'm not yeah, going to yeah. sing. I'm not going to sing. I promise. All right. Okay. Now here's my theory on that. Okay. Here's my okay. theory. Here's my hot take. Okay. Take it. Take it how you like it. I genuinely thought that whole thing in the second episode where it's the waiter you're wondering if he's going to figure it out. I thought that was David Lynch literally laughing his butt off at yeah. the, the TV audience. That was him completely taking the mick out of people thinking. Because, you know, TV ends on cliffhangers. Yeah. And this was the first the first episode back and everyone was trying to figure out what was going on. And this was him literally shoving two fingers up and saying, <laughs> there you are. There's your yeah. cliffhanger. I'm not going to play by your rules. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to literally give you 10 minutes of a guy trying to give <laughs> thumbs up and then ring. Like that was totally a, a complete mick take or whatever yeah, yeah so. I, I think you've been trained everyone you've, you've been trained to identify tropes yeah and he just wants to dismantle completely. all of them completely so that's why you have those elongated shots those elongated silences those parts where you just the repetition but the repetition is also to do with like just everything in Twin Peaks doppelgangers and everything in David Lynch like about Mirror other size yeah. we, talk, we, we talk about how Lynch has affected uh, movies and has affected uh, TV shows but the way he's affected soaps like the, the two part Coronation Street where they go back to the primordial soup <laughs> and go into the, like the, the origin of evil and no no, no not but, so. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> no <laughs> That would but be the kind thing, of but no, in, oh, in fairness, just to drop it with no warning. There's like it's not like a prep. It's not it's a big just event. A but just to defend soaps while we're here, because around the time of Twin Peaks, when the the first season was released, you have to remember that you know soaps are Dickensian and they reflect everything that's going on in life at the moment. And when Twin Peaks came out. Brookside did that whole storyline with Trevor Jordash yeah. under the patio at the same time as Fred West. Yeah. This was all going on at the same mm. time about the, the danger. The call was coming from inside the house. The danger within the home, the danger within families, the danger of the, you know, I, yeah. idolizing a father figure. Soaps were doing that at the same time as Twin Peaks were doing that. So yeah. I think just to be... And absolutely <laughs> clear, yeah, we're not we're not dumping on soaps at all here. Because again, like we talk about like Twin Peaks as a massively influential piece of television and it absolutely was. Mm. But it wore its kind of influences unashamedly on its yeah. stage. Yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, like people talk about that like who shot Cooper cliffhanger that's very clearly it yeah. during Dallas who shot oh, yeah. J.R. and the one-armed uh, man the fugitive, yeah, the fugitive. Like, Philip yeah. Gerard is yeah. his name as yeah. well which is another name from the fugitive like it's very clear that like Lynch loves television yeah. and, and he wanted to have the biggest audience possible so that's why they had those you know massive ads where like you will find out on this day <laughs> yeah. who killed Laura Palmer well, they were kind of forced what's going to happen yeah. but, like, yeah. he was kind of forced to by the studio at that point but he did say I don't care about yeah. your snobbery. He was like, I think, you yeah. know, you tr- if you treat the audience with contempt, you'll get stupidity. But yeah. if you treat them with the intelligence that they do have, you can open their minds and broaden the spectrum. And that's what he did. Like, and, he, you and, know? and we've talked about this. This is one of the things where it's like Lynch is... He's an art house director through and through. He's like one of the most abstract, sur- uh, you know. I mean, Donald was on talking about him as like the most the most successful surrealist in the history of art, 100%. possibly. Um, and at the same time, he's also unashamedly like relatively accessible. And particularly when you get particular films of his, like you get like Twin Peaks was a cultural phenomenon. To pick an example, like Blue Velvet, mm. like people knew what Blue Velvet was. Even like Mulholland Drive, less so. And, yeah, but. Too. But if you're taking like cultural, massive cultural uh, 
pop culture signifiers the way yeah. he did like the 1950s kind of pasty that culture you know he's like as American as Coca-Cola but yeah. also as messed up as Coca-Cola do you know so yeah. That's, yeah, that's what it is like and I think that's why it works so well and that's why people are intrigued by him because they can get into it so easy because it's very recognisable but then also as well it has the weight of you know acknowledging the the evil right underneath exactly. the surface. I mean, yeah. that's the that's the blue velvet thing. Yeah, where you have yeah. like the ear and the worms, yeah, like the, the grass and the worms. Yeah, 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 totally. Like, I mean, the whole like, like the whole Roy Orbison thing, like, oh, like in dreams, in dreams. incredible, yeah. it's terrible. But like, I, I like Mike. That's like was my gran- one of my granny's favorite songs. Yeah. Like, and then there were, like if I was to show her in dreams, she well, she's dead <laughs> now. Makes, but I mean, makes, she would have killed yeah. over and died. Like, By the way, just fans of like secret fans of Roy Orbison feel like it's more okay though. No, but that's true though. No, th- that is genuinely true. Roy Orbison was made cool by David Lynch. Like he, and I, I say this unashamedly. Careful, I'm, you're going to set the Roy Orbison fans. Oh no, no, I'm a massive Roy Orbison fan. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But made, also made cool in the sense of like the cool kids kind oh, of. Okay. Did, or yeah. did, did, but now did. The, the James Hurleys of this world. <laughs> yeah, the whole Roy Orbison legacy has been affected by David Lynch when you think about Completely. it. Because yeah. now that he's gone, they now have this tour where they have a 3D, like a hologram, a hologram thing. of Roy Orbison. But somebody said that I know that went to see it, he rises from the floor like a demon. Oh. So therefore, <laughs> who's being influenced now? Yeah. It's totally co-opted. Like we are living in a David Lynch universe. Because yeah. well. you, you, you can't see, the, the, you really can't see a live yeah. performance. <laughs> from the floor. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's, it, it, the only other way... Um, to, to to see Roy Orbison if it's not in 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 a, in a hologram is only in dreams. I beg your pardon. I don't know why I was <laughs> building up for that. Just while we're talking about this in terms of television, is it worth Boo. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Darren trying to bring this back to the topic, <laughs> goddammit. I know. Um, well I mean we have enough time to fill. But the <laughs> argument is that uh, Lynch has talked about how like despite the fact that the you know it took a while for T V to catch up, yeah. he loves T V as a form um, but he adores that there's it comes into your home. It's a mm. way for him to come into your home and give you like a dream Bob. or a nightmare. But that's yeah. it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like Bob. Bob is very like there's a moment that great sequence where he's, in, jumping, where he's over jumping over the, the couch, couch and he sees yeah. you. But yeah. there's even the moment I think is it in the second season finale where he's like chasing he's Cooper and he sort of turns. Yeah. He turns towards the camera yeah. and it's like he can see you through it like as well. Fleabag. He's, bra- he's breaking that wall. <laughs> breaking the like, wall yeah. But even when like the the most terrifying moment for me in cinema ever is like in Firewalk to Me when she comes home and opens the door and he's in their bedroom and he just yeah. turns around to look. Uh, that's I'm done with that and that's great because that's what he's saying like I mean the whole thing about you know the nuclear family and what you're the face you're presenting to the world and that's very but when you're in your home things change and that's the greatest thing about TV yeah there's something very clever about the intimacy of television Mm, as well completely but yeah no like it's that thing about the intimacy of, of television I think is is something that Literally, that cinema doesn't have. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, well, you're you know, in a, you're in a room full of people, surrounded. Completely. You're absorbing it as like a crowd. Exactly. Like, yeah, mm. and like the thing of the thing of it is, is that like, you know, when you're watching it at home on TV, your 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 guards are down. You are relaxed. Yeah. You're watching it in your sweatpants or whatever. Yeah. You know, you're not. But <laughs> thanks, you know, Brian, for that image. Uh, okay, I can imagine. <laughs> no, but yeah, well, no, I. <laughs> no, <you laughs> the one hand on the remote. Yeah, yeah <laughs> completely. One hand, ethical. Um, <laughs> But no, but like yeah, but th- but that is it. Like you are, your guards are down. You are more relaxed. Yeah. You don't have the kind of, I guess the 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 
brain space or whatever to think, okay, I'm in a public mm. space. I need to be yeah. aware of, oh God, if I get terrified or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And that he uses that intimacy to really mess you up. Exactly. And also the thing about TV is like you want to, you're comfortable in recognizing yourself on yes. TV. And then when something happens like Twin Peaks and they're saying, well, what's below the surface? You're like, do you also identify with yeah. that? Do you also yeah. recognize that within yourself? Like, that's a massive question. And that because it's all about, you know, duplicity and the revealing, the concealment and the reveal. Like, I mean, that, that's that's the thing is that. I, and again, we, we keep going back to that quote from I think it's uh, David Patrick Kelly, who, who says that, like, the thing about Twin Peaks is it's a murder mystery where, you know, the victim's name. And it's very rare mm. for that. Yeah. Hey, Phil, how are things? It's the Black Lodge. <laughs> uh, we have cakes here. Um, help yourself. Literally uh, the Black Lodge uh, uh, pie. pie right here. <laughs> Buttery jeepers. I don't think you have enough. All right. But just in terms of what we were talking about there um, and in terms of sort of it's interesting that you can do that with a TV show because yeah. I think if, I think if you did a film and in fact actually it's very telling that when you did Firewalk with me you alienated such a large part of your audience but because it's a TV show and because you watch it so incre- incrementally as, as Jen said it's like you identify That's with it. Um, it allows you to basically get sucked in. I can't imagine like releasing a film about Laura Palmer who was raped and murdered by her yeah, father. That's not uh, going to do And it's not payers. going to become a like cultural phenomenon or touchstone. Mm. Um, but then again, Blue Velvet, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Blue Velvet was pretty dark. But it, it didn't was, have the kind of... It didn't have the reach. It didn't have coffee. But yeah. also, with Twin Peaks, what, the time it came out, just to say this again, because I do really think it's the age of Beverly Hills 90210, it was out at the same time <laughs> yeah. as Beverly Hills 90210 at its height. Feeling and I had yourself. the same okay. kind of fans. I had the same crossover as, of fans because you had, like, let's say, uh, like Shannon Doherty in Beverly Hills 90210, you had Sherilyn Finn yeah. in Twin Peaks. There were all these the young girls around the front cover of Rolling Stone yeah. magazine yeah. The, and the, you grew a yeah. fan club out of that because the the kids watching Beverly Hills also wanted to watch Twin Peaks they wanted to see what was going on with these girls and they were glamorous as well like yeah. they were sexy and you know it was that kind of thing where you can't discount that yeah but like even like with Luke Perry like Luke Perry mm. on 90210 mm-hmm. and then you know um, it's a bit, a bit like Bobby Briggs completely almost, like, yeah, 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 totally. it's a, Bobby it's never the, aged my no, god yeah it's still a heartthrob is he just with you know different hair no but, like, <laughs> no, but seriously like if you if you look at Jason Priestley or if you look at Luke Perry and then you look at Bobby Briggs like I mean you yeah. could, you could yeah, there is very much yeah. completely there's completely. a different Rolling Stone cover for you waiting to happen um, we're gonna sign of, we're almost on the verge of winding up but what we do is we spring and you guys were here when we sprung the question yeah, Donald sure. so you guys know it's coming you've had like 45 <laughs> minutes of prep for this sure. there's no guarantee because okay. I know this question I've fluffed it on your podcast many times over um, that's Phil ladies and gentlemen Phil uh, Phil Bagnell's joining us hello um, Phil, quick question: Is Twin Peaks a TV show or a film? It's clearly a uh, movie. Move into the mic, but no you need to get really it. close. Okay, it's clearly a film to, in my mind, but no more than the original show. Uh, it's subject to the limitations of a TV series because that's what Lynch okay. and Frost signed up to do. So, I, I say it's a movie, but I haven't watched it in an eighteen-hour session. So, what do I know? <laughs> Well, luckily, we have somebody here who almost has. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. I feel like I'm not going to say anything <laughs> until, uh, until, until, until it's the only option. So, yeah. Jen or Brian, whichever one of you wants to go first, what is Twin Peaks about for you? Like, what is it that you love about Twin Peaks? What is it that you think of when you think of Twin Peaks? Um, Christ. I, I really <laughs> I, No, I'm being serious. Like, I think... About Christ? 
Well, I mean, there are elements of it of mysticism and spiritualism. Oh, and definitely. I mean, There's I, definitely a Zen Buddhism. Like, it's the Zen art of catching a killer. It's yeah, this. totally. I mean, That's lynch all over. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, there are so many different parts of it that you can look at it and see something, whatever you want to see in it. Um, I think, and this is, again, this is going to sound so wanky, but I'll just say it anyway. I think trying to bring any kind of meaning to it is meaningless. You, It is ultimately self-defeating because, for one thing, David Lynch doesn't buy into any of that stuff at all. He prefers you to have your own, have, have your own opinion. And it kind of speaks to it as well, because like here we are, like what is this, like 18-era podcast? The fact that you can get that long out of it. Well, we haven't got there yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, is that, it, has, it has that fertile ground that you could literally just completely ascribe any kind of meaning to it. And it's all valid. It's yeah. all there for you to see. So what is it Twin Peaks about? I I have no idea. I have no idea. But I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, Jen. Yeah. I'm of the same kind of church there, but I, for me, what I get from it would be that it's, for personally, it's about home. And, you know, yeah. either, like there's a great song from, uh, I want to say, it's not the Ronettes, it's the Shangri-Las, You Can Never Go Home Again. And that for me is like the alternative uh, theme tune to Twin Peaks. You can never go back to innocence. You can never find yeah. what it is that you're looking for. They're craving that safety. It's never there. Once that is touched by the universe, once the, the cruelty and the wickedness gets in, you can never go home again. And that's what Twin Peaks always is about for me. And it's kind of interesting that the last episode puts this emphasis on trying to get home mm. and proving yeah. that you can't in a very literal sense. Mm. Do you think that was him? I, I, I wonder, like, I, I, I think... Because I, I was... I, the reason why I, I, I say this is because I was listening to Blackstar as I was walking in. And that idea of, like, David Bowie knowing, knowing. that this yeah. was it for him was this David Lynch and we kind of talked about this at the start was this David Lynch saying this is all I've got left I think if you end with him with a scream like that yeah. I think so yeah. to black yeah is David Lynch dying no but no, like but I'm just saying, saying like, to, he's saying it. goodbye to his creative endeavours with regards to television and movies I don't think he's like it, I haven't heard that he's going to make anything new with regards to TV he's announced he's well. retired from film direction well, there you fair. go but he's to be fair some furniture that's but it gives you like in this modern media landscape no, no, so much he, he could pull a Soderbergh on that uh, very yes that's fair Soderbergh's retirement has been the most active phase of his career yeah. <laughs> <laughs> someone fair. take that iPhone away from him <laughs> I know um, I still haven't watched that actually like, I've learned bird yeah. it's alright it's actually it's okay. Okay. Yeah, I quite Soderbergh like it Soderbergh is Soderbergh hasn't been less than alright for a good long time now so I really should I love me some Stevie Sills but yeah so just in terms of other stuff and in terms of oh Apparently he's painting and making maps. Well, there you go. go. I'm happy for him. In the furniture business. Uh, There was that documentary that came out about him last year. Yes, we did. We saw it, didn't we, at the film festival? Bloody boring, wasn't it? Good work, I, though. Good, okay. I like his. Like it was a very work. straightforward look at a very on. Which is just man. what I want in a movie well, about I mean, David yeah. Lynch. Well, I feel like there's something interesting in being sort of approaching him in that in that sort of angle or in that way. I think. Oh, so, I feel, I'm really tempted to break out that David Lynch impression I used to do on the Scanlon podcast, but uh, I. Come it's on, treat late. us, treat us, treat us. 
Well, I'm just a regular kind of guy. <laughs> that sounds more like Fargo. I know. Or, <laughs> I was, oh, it does. I feel it. Feel it, 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 it yes. you, no, it's the guy. Oh, it, yeah? No, i tell you what you sound like. You sound like the guy, Um, what was his name? The guy who tells him the story about Steve. Yeah, but I'm going crazy out there by the lake. <laughs> you mean White Bear Lake? Oh, yeah, well, that's near the Moose Lake, so I made that assumption. Yep, me and Cam McLaughlin went up to that lake one weekend, and we got ourselves some doozies. But that's also we forgot about just as talking about TV, Twin Peaks also the invented the mainstream for Northern Exposure. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. And Shelley, the Shelleys. The yeah, two good shout, yeah. The good twin shout. Shelleys. Yeah. Yeah. And and also in terms of um its influence, it's also is it a TV show that codified the idea of auteur television? Because we now have like because I mean obviously in the eighties you would have had Michael Mann's influence on stuff like Mammy Vice. Although, sure, yeah. To be honest, that was the the picking of the color scheme, and he directed I think one episode, which is Cat Burglar, if I remember correct. Was it? I think it might be the pilot. I don't know if he did the pilot. But no, he didn't. No, that was okay. Anthony Yerkovich. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I mean, like you had that sort of thing in the past, and you obviously had Alfred Hitchcock presents. You had the Twilight Zone, Ron Sterling, but those are very much like faces of these things, as opposed yeah. to like showrunner as artiste. Mm. And it's kind of like, do we think that the modern sort of like David Simon, who is like, and David Chase, who's massively influenced by Lynch, do those sorts of showrunners owe their existence to Twin Peaks? Well, no, I'm, I'm surprised you haven't said Gene Roddenberry in Star Trek. Like for me, that's the when you talk about showrunners and you talk about auteur television. For me, it started with Star Trek. Well, I mean, the issue with Roddenberry is though, that he there were large parts of the show where he wasn't necessarily in the executive producer function. True, like, yeah. I mean, like, there's Gene Alcoon did a lot of the second half of the first season. Um, and there was... Uh, DC Fontana. DC and Fontana. Yeah. And also Fred Freeberg did the third season as well. And so, like, I mean, Lynch, sorry, not Lynch, Roddenberry, you know, sort of got it started and was a massive influence in terms of engaging with the fans. But he wasn't, like, he wasn't there day to day for a lot of stuff. He's yeah. writing memos and he was yeah, yeah, but yeah. he wasn't... Yeah, that's fair, like, yeah. There's the famous story of him coming back and discovering that, like, his writers had turned it into a comedy. Yeah. With the trouble with Tribbles and I Mud. And basically saying, get the hell off get my off. set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that sort of thing. But I think that, like, modern television, modern television landscape sort of, I wonder... Like, oh, yeah, no, it, 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 yeah, it's... Uh, like, like Jen was saying, it started yeah. with him. Like, mm, it totally yeah. did. Like, but then if you look, that's it's the death of the showrunner now because I mean, I I just think that we're getting into a phase where like, there's only one David Lynch, and uh, there is a lot of megalomania kind of almost machismo sense about showrunners now in America that I just think died with True Detective and should die out. You think? I I, I definitely think so because I think if you look, have you seen the Romanoffs? It's oh, no, absolutely Matthew Weiner. It's you just ruin your own legacy. And I think if you're in control, the thing about like Twin Peaks: The Return is David Lynch was completely in the driver's seat for that, and that's great. But not a lot of people should be allowed to do that because not everybody is David Lynch. And if you look at um, True Detective, your man Nick, whatever, Nick Pollard, Pollard, like that's a sure sign of like him being an absolute megalomaniac, not wi- willing to hand over the reins to a writer's room. There you, ah, go. there you go. It's yeah, true. Play, yeah. yeah, but I just think it should just die out. That's yeah. what, what about it should like, die okay, out. Okay, well, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate here like an asshole. Sorry, cursed. Um, <laughs> that child has got another complaint, Brian. Another Okay, but hang on a sec. What about... <laughs> it isn't sunny, Jim. <laughs> but what about... Okay, but what about Phoebe Waller-Bridge? Um, she's allowed because she's a genius. <laughs> no, right. no. The, what I'm saying is that those American prestige shows. Oh, sorry. I'm right. just talking about the invention of prestige television and the weight that yeah. we give something like The Wire or the weight that we give, you know, something like um, even like Sopranos. Sopranos yeah, yeah, but like, and there's only you know that can only sustain it for so long. And as you go down the route with drama and shows get longer and longer, 
where does it end? And like, yeah. if you don't have control over the story, like David Lynch did over The Return, like he, he knew what he wanted to see, you're, then you're just giving way to someone's ego. And yeah. I think you need, um, other voices need to come yeah, in. No, no, that's fair. Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose that's why you have a writer's room. Like, yeah, where exactly. But I think there's like, like there should be a bigger now focus on writer's room. Yeah. To uh, take drama forward. Well, it, it is worth noting, actually, because I have a whole section on this in my little notes binder. Because oh, we're yeah. getting through 18 hours. I've got 80 pages of notes here. Oh, but there's a whole section on Lynch as like, Lynch is the friendly auteur. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, the twinkly one. The twinkly one. Well, he's known as like the nice one. He's the friendly one. Like there's a, I don't know what to expect when I met David, said Gary S. Levine, vice president for dramatic series development at ABC. But what you get is a gentle, almost timid person with a very clear vision that he adheres to. He's remarkably responsible and focused. It came in under budget and on time. He was, I think it was all in his head when he just walked in the office. And there's also like when he was asked about like, he's seen as being a nice guy. He's not overly demanding of like his actors and yeah. sort of like of the sets. His sets, and we, we had uh, two actors on um, earlier, two, two actors on earlier who were like, talking about the joy of working with Lynch. Um, and one of them like was so nice that he took him out of an awful cat conversation, uh, which was great. He was having a cat conversation with his co-star and apparently Lynch took great pity on this man I was like you don't need to be in that car anymore uh, but apparently like Lynch talks about like the, the reputation that Kubrick and Hitchcock have for being so demanding Yeah. Um, and it's like you know it works for them he says laughing talking about Kubrick and Lynch I like to think I get it done the same way without being abusive a lot of businesses run on fear and I think that's really bad People live in fear, and that carry they carry that stress home. Their wife or I don't know why I'm doing this. Their wife. <laughs> yeah, or I was going to say, yeah, you're you're, you're slipping into. <laughs> I'm open. slipping into it. I can't, you can't resist. Their wife or husband feels that the little kids trembling, worried that their father's worried or their mother's worried. I think it's money in the bank to get a good feeling when you're going home. Um, and like even then, Lynch has a reputation for embracing like chance. And like again, we talk about him as as an auteur, and he definitely is. Lynch's yeah. vision is his own. But people have talked, people have worked with him, talk about how comfortable he is and being so comfortable with his vision that he's willing to share it with other people. And like, think of the amount of happy accidents that have to happen on Twin Peaks. You think of like Bob Silva as Frank. Yeah, when he was like at the bed, like how yeah, that yeah. was just a complete coincidence. Just, he yeah. happened to be there and it's like, yeah, we're using it, that sort of thing. Look at your face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh my God, you're horrifying. Let's get that on camera. But I think there's a certain uh, like kind of Warhol-esque thing about Lynch. He has this kind of demeanor, oh gee whiz. You know, yeah, all shut. Um, I just uh, yeah. let's just kind of uh, do let's that. Let's just yeah. like it's cool, everything's fine, but I don't know how uh, further. Our down next that goes. one of our next guests, Jay, has arrived. Jay wants to speak on the yellow mic and just introduce himself to listeners. Yell from there. Hello, <laughs> is Hello. that your wife is a lucky woman. But yes, this is this is our episode 17. It turns out everybody is in the uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just and, uh, yeah, we're, we're, Jay um, and I are the FBI. Jay, Jay, Jay was just talking there about um. Or maybe I'll let you tell the story, Jay, but how confusing it was because you were on my phone. Oh my God, it's like Lucy. <laughs> I understand. I mobile understand. phones. I don't know how mobile phones work. Perfect. He has a doppelganger up in the studio. Thank you very much, Brian and Jen, for your time and for coming in. We really, really appreciate it. Please, do you want to take some pie with you? No, God, no. Absolutely not. You're welcome to sit down and continue to eat and join us for the first part of this discussion. I'm going to head out. Thank you so much, guys. We really, really appreciate it. Perfect.